give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Dak NBA Draft Podcast. Hitting you with episode two of the week. I am Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Gim. Albert, how are we doing, my dude? Dude, I'm I'm doing well. I I hope and I pray to be to feel half of what you're feeling right now, because for our listeners out there, you guys have no idea. Corey, I think Corey has maybe been building his life for this moment today. And we are going to talk about maybe his favorite human being on earth. And so I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited, dude. That's it. I have uh, built a shrine in my bedroom. <laughs> I have started uh, cultivating a cult. Um, the cult of Alperin Shen Goon. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm all in on, on this cult. I'm ready to uh, give up my life and focus on uh, whatever, whatever low post goals that we're trying to accomplish in the future. <laughs> um, so as we said, we're covering Alperin Shen Goon. Uh, Alperin Shen Goon, I feel like is going a little bit under the radar on the mainstream, although he's starting to get a little bit more buzz as we get closer to the draft. But if you are deep into the NBA draft, as I expect you are, if you're listening to our voices today, um, you probably know a little bit about Alperin Şengün, the Turkish big man out of Besiktas, which I'm, I've been practicing, but I probably I probably butchered uh, regardless. But Şengün is 18 years old. He'll be 18 on draft day. He's six foot nine, 240 pounds. He averaged 19 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists on 2.4 turnovers, 1.6 blocks, and 1.3 steals on shooting splits of 63, 20, 80. That is a true shooting percentage of 69%. Nice. He was the MVP of the BSL at just 18 years old. And... um. For anybody who is not well-versed in international basketball, this is probably considered the third best basketball league in the world. So winning the MVP of this league at just 18 years old is a ridiculous accomplishment. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll touch on, on why he won MVP in a little bit, but I, I just want to preface this by saying that uh, that is a crazy uh, stat to get us started off with. Um, or, or achievement rather, uh, preseason rankings. I'll just, bef- I don't have to say the organizations. Um, he was not ranked anywhere on the internet coming into this year. Um, that could be, that could mean that, you know, these organizations were sleeping on him. It could mean that they just didn't expect him to enter the draft this year. Currently though, Bleacher Report has him at 18. ESPN has him at 16. SB Nation has him at 17. And The Ringer has him top 10. He's number nine. So, Albert, uh, I ask you, with a stock price set at 8.6, or 15, rather, sorry, my math uh, got jumbled up there for a second, 
uh, preseason, he was 60. He is now an average stock price of 15. Is Alperin Shengun's stock price too high, too low, or is he priced just right? At, at this point, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> we've done <laughs> we've done so many of these, and we have so many guys like all over the board. Um, but Corey, I'll say this, and I'm going to say this for you because you know I have nothing but love and respect for Professor Taliba. I'm going to go too low and say that uh, Alperin Shengun. Uh, needs to be higher up. And I think here's the thing, and this is like a little bit of a spoiler alert, and you guys will get to the end of this pod, and you're going to hear this, I think, from both of us. Uh, he will get drafted before the 15th pick in the draft, and I can I can almost guarantee that for you right now. So I'm going to say too low. I like that answer. I also tend to agree he's probably going to be drafted before the 15th pick. I mean, that puts him outside the lottery. So... Uh, I, I think he at least should be a lock for the lottery. I think it's way too low. I have something to admit. I have decided to move Alperin Shengun up above my beloved Davion Mitchell. Oh. <laughs> Big moves. Big moves. Alperin Shengun is the fifth rated prospect on my big board. I just think his offensive upside is higher than Davion's. And just, you know, all that, despite Davion's defensive advantage, I think that he could be a special offensive player in this league. So I, I, it was hard. I really went back and forth and maybe I'll teeter totter back the other way by the time the draft rolls around in about a month. But as of today, and maybe it's because I'm riding high coming off the film sesh I did um, on my YouTube channel for old Alperin there. But this kid just fucking hoops, man. He is so goddamn good. Uh, oddly enough, when I was you know making my notes for this episode, I really didn't have to change much in my first like four bullet points from uh, Cam Thomas in our last episode. Like they're obviously much different players in how they get their offense right but they're both like offensive scoring wizards uh like cam like shangun has a never-ending bag and ways that he is going to get buckets uh quite easily the best footwork in the draft easily by far he's gonna have probably i don't know top three footwork in the entire nba as soon as he steps on the floor I, maybe I'm being hyperbolic there, but um, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to think of just from a, a strictly footwork perspective, you know, obviously uh, post play where he shows off his footwork the most is not like the most en vogue trend in the NBA in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think just rationally, like who matches up footwork wise. And I, there's not, it's not a long list. He might not be top three, but it's not a long list. His footwork is that special. It's uh, I mean, in my opinion, um, Mm -hmm. what impressed you most about his footwork? Okay. So this is like a weird thing. And this is just like a personal thing. I loved how he used his feet to get open or to like position himself. So something that I noticed, like I, I love how he would seal off his man. And I thought a big part of him sealing off his man to get 
down on the block and get into good position, a lot of that was his footwork. Like you might say, like, oh, he's just strong, whatever. Dude, I thought he did a great job. Like there, I saw there was this one. I don't remember the name of the team. And for our listeners out there, you have to forgive me because these names are so foreign to us. There's no freaking way I'm gonna remember them. But anyway, yeah, and, and there, I listen to I listen to uh <laughs> or I don't listen at all to the games. I watch them in silence because most of the time my fiance is sleeping next to me and I'm trying to, uh, to watch the game with no sound. So I have no idea what any of the names are. Corey's a sicko just uh, watching the games on, <laughs> on silent. Um, but, but okay. I forgot the name of the team, but there was a game where he was going against a big, who was like about his size, maybe even a little bit bigger. And he did a really good job of like, sorry, the big was trying really hard to front him in the post to kind of get him off his spot. The thing that I, I, I kind of teased on our Cam Thomas episode that I absolutely loved about him was that he was so good at, obviously, when you watch the tape, you see how he's great at using the spin move to get to the basket and score. But I also loved how he used the spin move to get into the position that he wanted. And so that was what really interesting to me, how he was so nimble on his feet and fluid and smooth and able to use that not just for when he had the ball in his hands, but to get himself into a position where he could get the ball where he wanted. And so I think that was, for me, what stuck out the most. Obviously, it's not like the main thing that you're going to talk about in terms of his feet, but, you know, me trying to be different here. Um, I thought that was really interesting and in how he did such a good job of getting to where he wanted by using the fluidity in his feet, whether it was to spin or to seal or whatever that was. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, when you're a big who loves working in the post – you're going to have guys defend you in certain ways. And if somebody doesn't have the strength to just guard you body to body, chest to chest, uh, you know, you're going to probably front the big and try to trust your help coming behind. So he does, he has that slick little step over swim, you know, the little spin to get the position. And then once he does that, it's a wrap because he could just, you know, move you out of the way. So uh, that, that, I mean, absolutely is a credit to his footwork. Right. And I mean, going uh beyond just getting the post position i mean his skill level down low as a scorer is is unreal right i mean he literally he's putting guys in just absolute spin cycles like guys stand no chance if you're guarding him one-on-one and he backs you down he if he does a little you know drop step over the left shoulder turn to the right and you get there and you guard that He's just going to work you with the footwork, come back left, keeping his pivot. And if you don't get that one, he's going to go back right and get you another time. He has counters to counters and then counters to the counters from the counters. It's it's I mean, from an 18 year old kid, I can't express enough like. It's I don't know who the last guy I've seen with this kind of footwork at that age. I mean, from a guard perspective, it was Luca. Um, you know, and, and I honestly, like Luca is the more valuable position. I think just, he's a primary ball handler runs the entire offense. Um, but, and he also did it in the second best league in the world. There was a, a jump in, in skill level there. Although, uh, Shangun plays some of the, you know, same kind of teams, um, that Luca's, you know, would have played at times, but at his age, he's, he's so advanced because he's not super bouncy. You know, he's not super quick twitch and um, you know, the, the kind of things that when you're watching the uh, Gavoni 
combine, you know, two minute clip uh, from the pro days that you like seeing where, you know, a guy like Trey Mann is throwing the ball off the backboard and doing windmills. And you're just like, well, can he do that in a game? <laughs> you know, he's doing he's working on on the ground um, and just using craft and skill to get to his spots. And again, I think we keep harping the last few episodes like you look at the playoffs and you see how valuable skill is obviously when you can combine the athleticism to the skill this is where you start getting to an upper echelon tier of of potential um but the thing i like about him is even though he's not like a super freak athlete like say isaiah jackson or you know our guy kai um (laughs) greg brown (laughs) he'll still put you on a poster as, you know, if he gets a little bit of momentum, oh, he's yeah. going he's going through you, you know, whether he's the trail man, um, whether he's, you know, the lob target uh, or whether he, you know, shows a little of that that face up like he's he'll try to put you on a poster. It's not always the cleanest. Right. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's it, you know, he doesn't get like super, super off the ground. So it's not like he's clean, but he's going to try to put you on a poster. Um and he's really good at using like extension and, and making use of, you know, all of the measurements he has. Cause he's also, I mean, I, I couldn't find measurements anywhere on the internet for him. So I, I don't know what his wingspan or standing reach is, but it doesn't look, you know, it's not, he's not Mo Bamba, you know what I mean? Um, he, he's not Scotty Barnes. So uh, he uses every inch of what he has available to him. Um, with all that said, do you think that, there's anything to the skepticism about him being kind of like a primary post player in the NBA in 2021. Um, so here's the thing. And, and I think, you know, I, I was listening to um, Rosillo and Chad Ford today. They, they did, they did a pod together and they talked about Shangu and they talked about some of their reservations about him and wondering if he's going to have the foot speed or the um the the size to survive on the next level and this this is what i honestly think Corey. i feel like a lot of the times and they were even talking about davion and i and i do want to mention this really quickly the, uh, chad was talking about chad ford was saying how when he watches Davion, his biggest concern is like the traditional things that they've learned, right? Like if you take a guy who's older in the lottery, you might pay for it. If you take a guy who's smaller in the lottery, you might pay for it. However, when you watch Davion on the screen, he really pops. And so I, I, when, when I was hearing his argument for Davion, that's exactly how I feel about Shangun. Where Shangun, you might look at him and you might think of like modern day NBA basketball and be like, okay, the big man is extinct, right? Who plays in the pl- post, blah, blah, blah. He's not athletic if enough. His feet are slow. Um, who's he going to defend on the next level? My thing is, I-, I think we have to take those traditional frames of how we view prospects sometimes and throw that out the window when we get guys who pretty much look like outliers when we were mm. watching their tape. And that's exactly how I feel about Shangun, where Shangun is such an outlier compared to what we're seeing in the league right now. And he's an outlier on so many different levels. Corey, I think you and I are ready right now to talk 20 minutes about his passing. His passing yeah. is a real outlier. His post work, real outlier. His intensity, his effort is going to be 
pretty much at an elite level as soon as he walks in to the league. What I wrote, my first thing that I wrote in my notes, plays with the aggression of both of Nikola Jokic's brothers, is exactly what I wrote. (laughs) You see that when you watch his freaking tape. This guy is an absolute animal. You see him on the offensive boards. Who's going to stop that? It, it's yeah. unreal his work rate. It's like Clint, Clint. He's like an angry Clint Capella going for offensive rebounds. Not that he has the same length or size of Clint Capella. But what what I'm trying to say to you, Corey, is that of course, if we look at him through the lens of traditional expectations and traditional standards of what we think a prospect prospect is going to develop into, sure, Shangun has some th- Shangun has some things that leave you a little concern there are obviously might be some questions there but for me he is such an outlier as a package that you have to kind of throw that out the window and just take the sum of his parts and be like there's not really anybody like him right now and that has to mean something yeah i though i think that nail on head there and you know i think that if you were making the argument like for him you'd say well maybe there is somebody like him right now in in Jokic. uh now that is a tough thing to say. Jokic just won MVP. He's taller, heavier. You know, I yeah. asked, I asked Schmitz, um, I asked Schmitz, like, uh, do you think he's like 6'10? Maybe, like, you know, when, when you, when you were up close to him, he's like, nah, he's, he's 6'9. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, it would have been nice if he had that extra inch. But even still, you know, outlier skills. It's what he has. But what I love is that while he has those outlier skills in the post, he's just as slick in the pick and roll. So if you're saying like he plays an outdated brand of basketball, I just think it's something he has beyond what we look at as NBA big man skills. Like he could certainly be a lob target when they put two on the ball off a screen, he's going to come off um, and be able to catch pocket passes because he's got great hands. He's going to be able to play in the short role. He finishes absolutely everything around the hoop. Uh, He's just a handful down low and you either have to foul him or you end up in that spin cycle. So, and when he gets fouled um, and he gets fouled in an obscene rate, he hits 80% on almost seven attempts a game. Right. So, you know, going back to like the pick and roll stuff and this, we talk about him a score as a scorer. And I mentioned earlier, like my first like four lines of notes, I could have just left from Cam Thomas's episode. But unlike scorer uh, supreme Cam Thomas, Shangun's passing is that swing skill and what makes all of this so valuable, right? Like, when we look at who was like the last hyped up post big man, like probably Jaleel Okafor, right? You know, he's coming off um, a national title at Duke and he, he was a really hyped up high school player. So he has the pedigree and then he has the success at Duke. Um, He even has, you know, a pretty good rookie year, at least counting numbers wise. Mm -hmm. But he can't pass like Shangun can. He can't get others involved. And, you know, uh, NBA teams like to get, they want like you to shift the defense out of, you know, pick and roll play or drive and kick. So there's defenses that are scrambling and then it's just, you know, a kick to the open man. But what has made a guy like Jokic so valuable is you could just dump him the ball in the post. And if you don't send 
help. You don't send a double to him. He is just going to score at a highly efficient rate. But if you do send a double, he is going to know exactly where to place the ball. And I think that Shangun has a lot of those same skills. Now, I don't want to, you know, strictly compare him to an MVP. And when we, you know, go through right. our our who have you bought previously segment, I'm going to try to temper the expectation on on Jokic because the physical advantages that Jokic has are, you know, a, a yeah. worthwhile difference, just height, weight, all that. Um, but his, I think that his passing is a real game changer for how I view him as a prospect. If he didn't have that aspect of his game, I wouldn't be that high on him. So with the trend of a guy like Jokic, you know, having offense run through him, having even a guy like, like Bam in Miami take on more of a playmaking role. I think Chicago is looking to use Vucevic as a table setter. How valuable in this modern NBA is playmaking from the big man position. I think it's, I think we're kind of shifting, right? Not necessarily shifting per se, but there's like a wrinkle to it now, right? You mentioned, uh, uh, you mentioned Bam, you mentioned Vucevic, uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis, I mean, what, yep. what a freaking passer. And the, the average the seven of, a game this year. It, an animal. And he, he is such a damn good passer. Like not only it, he's such a smart passer, but anyway, um, Dude, I think what you mentioned about Shangun and what KOC talked about in his video, it's funny that we're recording today because KOC just dropped a video today too about Shangun. I think what KOC mentioned about him potentially being an offensive hub is really interesting because that is exactly how I think we should be evaluating Shangun. I think he has that type of potential. You mentioned like his pick and roll stuff, like some of the decisions he was making out of the short roll. I'm like, yeah, what? Like, what? what what the hell am I watching here? You know, like some of it felt like, you know, Corey, okay. You mentioned before, like his post-up game, uh, which is a part of his offense, right. And his playmaking, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I think he does. He makes really quick decisions um, when the, uh, when the double team comes, like I, as KOC mentioned, right. He can anticipate it and does a really good job, but his stuff out of the short roll for me was really interesting because it's, it's both the vision plus anticipation plus the patience, plus all those things. You know, like he has it all. Like he could do the quick stuff. He could do the slowly developing stuff. It's it's so interesting, the levels and the depth that there is to his passing, which is what makes him so interesting, right? Which is honestly, you just mentioned Sabonis at seven assists a game. He Sabonis is that type of weapon. And now with a new coach with Carlisle coming in, I'm even more interested to, to see what happens with Sabonis. You remember like the Dirk 2011 season. And what they did with Dirk, what Carla dealt with Dirk back then, I, I, I do wonder what he's going to do with Sabonis next year. But for me, Shangun, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think the stuff he does out of the double, I think the stuff he does out of the short roll, I think just the layers, the levels that he has to his passing, the intu- it, the intuitiveness to his passing, it, it's unbelievable, bro. And like you had it in your video too. It's, it's truly shocking stuff. And which is why like, we go back to Jokic. That's the same crap we see with Jokic, you know, like the, the vision and all that stuff. And so I'm with you, dude. Like, I definitely think we need to pump the brakes because of what you mentioned, right? There is a clear gap between Shangun and Jokic, but at the same time, we can't deny the fact that there are some similarities. If we're just talking about the passing, you, you can't deny it. 
Like it's unbelievable yeah. how, how savvy this guy is and how gifted he is as a passer. And I'm I'm hoping as like, you know, he gets more attention from the national media that people see more of that because it's it's truly shocking. I was I was kind of floored by what I was seeing. Yeah, me too. And um, you know, it's funny. I, I went on um the Jody Mack CBS mm-hmm. sports show the other day, and one of the questions he asked was like, is there a post player in this draft? I, you know, I love old school big men stuff. Like, is there a post player in this draft that offers something like that for me? And I went on this little rant about Shangun, and he's like, I'm going to keep an eye out. I got to do my research on that guy. I was hoping you were going to talk to me about Luca Garza. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, look, I, I love the body transformation and all that. I was like, but if you're looking for the, the kind of post player that you're looking for in the NBA right now, Shangun, man, this kid is, is something else. I mean, fuck, he even he leads the break, you know, so you could even oh, envision him, you know, getting a rebound, grabbing and going, uh, the playmaking's real. And I, on Twitter, uh, today, you know, I had a little dialogue with somebody and, uh, totally harmless, respectful, which is, you know, nice for Twitter. And he was like, if he's such, if he's such a good passer, then why does he average 2.4 turnovers a game? Context, buddy, context. To to 2.7 assists, which for a big man, having a positive assist to turnover ratio is a good thing. Um, but he's, he is also just 18 years old. So, you know, we talked about how good we felt his decision-making is. He's not perfect either. You know, to to not just completely sing his praises, like, yeah, sometimes he's going to try a behind-the-back pass, you know, to a cutter um, that gets, you know, broken up or or tipped or deflected or whatever. And he's going to make some of these uh, some of these decisions that he's going to learn as his game, uh, game matures and grows. Uh, you'll start to see him eliminate some of that stuff. Um, and I think not only that, but I don't think his turnovers are going to grow in the NBA, but I think his assist numbers are because I think that he will have more offense run through him in the NBA. I think you get credited for assists much easier than at other places in the world. Um, And as we mentioned, we think it, there's a little bit of a trend to big men running offense uh, and the way that some of these teams play, you know, you can envision him being that, that guy who either goes to the block lines up in a horn set at the elbows like or is just making plays um out of that pick and roll in the short roll he has all of these avenues now to rack up assists in a league with even more spacing even more shooting uh so you know when he gets to the team that eventually that truly fits the context of his offensive skills you know he's a guy that i think is going to be up there with the bams and the sabonises as far as how many points per game he or assists per game he's going to average eventually so um I, I couldn't be higher on his passing and to me that as you mentioned is the outlier skill that that kind of sets him apart uh keeping on some of his weaknesses mm-hmm. let's talk about the shooting wait before before we get to the shooting i just want to say two things to what you said um first off you being on the jody mack show and him expecting you to talk about luca garza was (laughs) is freaking hilarious and so on brand um shouts to the legend jody mack i'm not trying to hate on jody mack but he's been around a long time you know so him expecting luca garza from you is pretty hilarious 
the second thing that I wanted to say, Corey, because you're right, we we are kind of singing his praises. But I, before we go to his shooting, one of the words that I did want to talk about watching Shangun play in that league. Right. It, it, this is what it felt like for me. It, it felt like when you're playing NBA 2K and you have a dominant big, whether it's like a Embiid or whatever, and you know that you can do like a certain set of moves that are just going to be dominant and you, yeah. it's just going to go in every time and won't be blocked. But then at the same time, you know how 2K has those glitches where the big will like suddenly like spin into the baseline and just tumble to the ground for no reason. <laughs> yeah, That's that's kind of what I felt with Shangun at times. Like it felt like sometimes he's like, he, he's so fluid doing great things. And then he'll do a move where he just tumbles to the ground and the ball just goes flying out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, he's just, he's just like a dominant 2K big right now where the high moment moments are unbelievable and then the low moments are so weird that it feels like a glitch so that's that's one thing i did want to say i think that's the vibe that i got yeah that is funny and and very apt i think and yeah i it feels like when he got the ball down low um outside of those glitches it was like he, all right he's either going to score get fouled or make a beautiful pass out of out of this uh this move um it was, as long as he doesn't put himself in the spin cycle as well um which which is funny. Uh, all right, let's talk about the shooting. 20% on one attempt per game. Are you buying the shot or are you selling the shot? No question I'm buying. Which <laughs> It's funny when you say 20% on one attempt a game. <laughs> are you buying? I am buying because, I mean, it's the eye test. Corey, you and I yep. are big eye test guys. Um, you know me famously. Like, I hate guys who have weird-looking shots. That's why I was out on Halliburton last year and Vassell. And, of course, like, I ate crow on that. I was straight-up wrong about Halliburton. Um, and it, it was just, like, a, a weird eye illusion thing for me. Um, and I missed out that, on the fact that, like, no, the, the the fundamentals were still good on his jump shot. It just looked so freaking weird to me, and I was out on it. But for me, when you watch Shangun, there is kind of, like, a catapultiness to him. Um, sometimes like especially like when he's like posting up and then he'll like fade baseline like that jump that shot is a little like catapulty if you know what i mean like it's kind of like he's like flinging it at the ring at the rim but um hey we're big free throw guys 80 percent at the free throw line always a good sign for me and seven attempts seven attempts a game exactly it's not two attempts it's seven attempts um I think when he did take threes, like there was, there's one play that was on, I think you had it and then KOC had it too. Like, just like he took like a step back three. I'm like, all right, what, what are we talking about here? Like that, that was vicious. Like that's an absolutely vicious shot. Um, But it it looks good. It looks good for me. And so my thing is if it passes the eye test, plus he's a good free throw shooter, um, I can kind of look past it. And also we have to understand context wise, they weren't really looking to have him shoot threes uh, in the role that he was in and the team that he was in. Um, as you mentioned, one attempt a game. We're not talking yeah. about high volume here. And so if you consider all those things, for me, I'm buying. I'm buying. And I think he'll get better. And which is why, once again, Corey, if we think about what his role will look like on the next level and the fact that he's 18 years old and he's going to go from this really strong base of being the MVP of the goddamn Turkish league. And then we think about how his game's just going to open up and blossom and evolve in the NBA level. Are you kidding? All right. So anyway, I'm buying, I'm buying hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I, I test, I test, I test, I test for, for Shangun. You have to watch it. Uh, the, a couple of more makes and he's shooting what 36% and all of a sudden we're like, Oh, 36%, even though it's on one attempt per game still. And it's like, all right, even if he made a few more, you can't look at the percentage either way. Um, even if he had shot 50% on one attempt a game, you there there's reason to look at that and be skeptical and still have to go in and dissect the shot. 
I just love his touch. I think he's got great touch, you, you know, and he, he's got this high arcing rainbow just shot that's buttery smooth. And it just like when it goes in, it just looks so pure. Um, he didn't do a lot of popping this year. You know, like he he was a guy that got the ball going downhill and because he finished everything at the rim or he got fouled. You know, that's why he had a true shooting percentage of 69%. Nice. And he um, really, like, in the NBA, he's going to be asked to space the floor a little bit a little bit eventually, and he'll be put in more of those pick-and-pop situations. And when he does that, you know, I think he's going to be a threat. And, and what I think that his shot is if you don't cover him, like, he's going to hit it at, at, at a decent enough clip. And then when you do cover him, I think he's going to be able to show a little bit of that face-up game, a little bit of that off-the-bounce game. And that's where what I love his footwork so much, too, on the move is he has it moving at a pretty good speed to where if if the help comes over, slides, like he's got the little spins and up fakes like on the move as well to where he could avoid charges. Um, So... I love what he could potentially do as a shooter, even after the shots go in, because I think that he's going to be a guy. I don't think he's going to be doing the step backs uh, at, at a at a high volume. I I don't think he should, um, especially early on. If he ever does, then everyone's in big big trouble. Uh, but I, I think that the the spot up shooting is going to be real, and if you want to play five out, then you can with him. And I think that just speaks to his potential versatility at the next level, where you want him to play five out? Okay, he could sp- spread the floor a little bit. Do you want him to play down low? You want to play, you know, uh, one four? It, like you could do all of these things, and it's going to be valuable. And uh, that—that's why offensively, I love it, and I'm buying so much of his stock. Um, but the shot, I'm buying, and even if it, it's on low percentage on low volume. It's just the eye test for me. How far away do you think the jumper is to being a threat? Um, so actually that's a really good question, Corey, because for me, we spent the first 30 minutes of the pod pretty much praising him. Right. And actually one of funny, funny enough, one of my big conclusions with him is that not just the shot, but I think his overall game in general, plus the whole acclimation to the new league thing, I think he as a project is going to take two to three years is kind of where I landed. And I, and I don't say that as a slight. I say that because um, we look at big men all across the league and there is an acclimation period. DeAndre Ayton is kicking ass right now and playing so well. It took him not only to take him time, but it took him Chris Paul for him to get to the level that he's at. And when yeah. I watch Shangun, I I absolutely love the raw tools and the ability and the upside. But for me, I think for him to holistically be um, at a level where he's like really contributing and like really performing at a high, high level, I think it'll take two to three years. And I think a big part of that is the shooting because as you mentioned, really low volume last year but i think the the fundamentals are good i think even his like his balance and his his base is really strong he seems like kind of like a long torso short leg guy which i like those guys kind of um and so um (laughs) i I just i just think overall it's going to take him two to three years but for whatever team that's going to get him and that's going to invest in him for two to three years the potential is through the roof and so whether whether it's the shooting or the whole package i'm kind of saying two to three years right now and part of that um because i think he could go to a, you know, if he dropped, let's say he dropped to the twenties and he went to a playoff team. Like, I think he's a guy that you bring off the bench and you get contributions from right away. 
it, you're not getting the final product right away, right. but you're getting contributions. I think that if he goes to a rebuilding lottery team, I think you'll see some real contributions right away. It might not lead to wins as most rookies don't lead to wins, but I think you'll see those flashes and those contributions. I don't think he's going to be Poku. You know, if, right. you know, if, if he's two to three years away, how, how many two to three year segments do we have for Poku? But part of the, is he two to three years away from impacting winning besides the shot? It comes to the questions about his defense, right? You know, because we mentioned he's not the bounciest guy. He doesn't appear to have these crazy measurables, right? He's six foot nine. 240 he'll probably slim down a little bit even more it's not like he he looks fat or overweight he's not you know if you remember a couple of years ago when when Jokic was uh came into media day and he looked real overweight and people were naming him like wide Drexler and you know coming up with all of these names you know fat shaming names that were admittedly very funny um <laughs> and so he's not that but when you think of modern NBA big men, if you're looking at a guy who's six nine with maybe not the greatest length in the world, you're saying, all right, well, can he play the four? And then you have teams like Chicago last year who drafted Patrick Williams and I think eventually would like to play him at the four, right? You have in Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter, who is playing a lot of four, these these switchable wings that these guys that are probably 15 years ago would have been threes and are now being sized up a position. So when you're looking at, can he guard these guys out on the perimeter? Is he going to um, be able to stay with guards out on switches? Uh, I mean, is this something that you're concerned about and are there legitimate reasons for, for somebody to be concerned about this with, with Shangun? If you're asking if he's going to have trouble guarding those guys or like, will he be able to do it right away? Easy answer is no for me. I, I think it's absolutely not. But that's the funny thing, Corey. I think, you know what I was thinking about today? I've been, I've been listening to so many different pods, watching all kinds of stuff on YouTube. And I think the, the, the there is a real scary like slope that we're on when we're evaluating prospects. And what I mean by that is that like so many times when we're looking at prospects, we'll watch a prospect and then we'll look for warts or weaknesses in their games. And then automatically, once we start to find things that aren't so great, then that completely tanks the stock of the prospect. And I'm like, I think sometimes we forget the exercise, the thought exercise here that we're doing as like quote unquote draft experts or draft enthusiasts or draft lovers. It's we're not looking at final products. We're not looking at finished products. These guys are, as you mentioned, 18, 19 years old. So I look at Shangun and I'm like, yeah, if he was to go out on the perimeter and guard Kyrie, he might as well just sit down and let Kyrie walk by. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's not going to happen, right? And so yeah. for me, like that's a lock. That's an absolute lock that he won't be able to do that. But for me, it once again, with time, you mentioned the weight loss. Nikola Jokic lost a ton of weight. And look how thin and he's. it helped his mobility, right? You look at – even look at the prospects now. Luca Garza, you mentioned, lost like 900 pounds. You look yeah. at – um. Charles Bassey, that fool lost like 18 pounds. He looks freaking fantastic in that in his latest pro day or whatever. That dude looks awesome. But my thing is, Shangun too, like, yeah, like maybe he won't be the quickest guy and he does obviously have slow feet. But I think if we look at this whole, the sum of the parts once again and we look at everything that he can offer, yeah, he's not going to be the perfect player. I mean, who, what, 
what perfect player is there in the league? You really have to weigh the pluses and the minuses. And I think if you consider all the pluses that he has as a prospect, you have to accept the minuses. He's not going to be able to guard guards. He's going to have a hard time guarding like a Patrick Williams or DeAndre Hunter. But him guarding a Julius Randle, maybe he can compete. Maybe he could do stuff against a Julius, you know? And yeah. Julius is a second-team All-NBA guy is kind of how I feel. So, once again, I I believe, dude. I, I really do believe, but you're right. He is kind of slow with his feet. It is a cause for concern, but that doesn't mean he can't improve upon it. Yeah, just shade Julius Randle to his right. He's going to shoot a fall-away jumper. Um, now, look, there. I, I, th- I think there are nice things to say about his defense. Uh, I, you know, he he played a lot of drop coverage. Uh, which is a major trend in the NBA for for those kind of bigs to play. Uh, we've seen guards ha- uh, bigs have trouble with it. Brooke Lopez at time, you know, trying to figure out the cat and mouse game with the Hawks. Right. Um, and we've seen you know other bigs like Aiton who are able to have a little bit more success because they're a little bit more mobile. Shangun played a lot of it, and I think that when he was playing. Um, a guard who was kind of getting downhill a little bit, doing the little thing where they get into the area of the mid-range. Because the, the the goal is to have the big come out enough to stop the penetration and then have the guard get back in time into the play. And if if not, you're forcing the guard to take a mid-range shot. And he did a pretty good job playing drop coverage uh, last season. Now... Where he did get in trouble, right, is is the switching out on the perimeter when you're switching out on these pick and rolls. So we mentioned that that's going to be a problem. But when he got to play off ball and be like just roaming free safety, protecting the rim, I thought that he had really good hands in the passing lanes. He had quick hands where you know a guard would try to dump a pass off and he was there to deflect it, uh, get a steal. And then I thought that as a shot blocker where he averaged almost to a game, I thought that he had really good timing um, and he was able to go straight up, get really good extension. And just, I thought that as a rim protector off ball, I thought that he just had really good instincts, which is something that I think will translate. So I don't think that this is a big time concern that he has zero good qualities on defense. Now, big man defense is more important than guard defense. Um, you know, you're the last line of defense. You have a lot of responsibility guarding the Dames, the Stephs, you know, those kind of the trays who could just pull from anywhere. Um, so you have more responsibility than other prospects because you have to do that while also quarterbacking the whole defense. But I think that at the end of the day, he'll be okay as a defender, like he won't necessarily be this huge net negative. Um, as you said, a few years in the league. And I think that what he gives you on the offensive end is going to be so valuable that it outweighs whatever challenges come with his defense. Now in the regular season, I don't think that'll matter even, and we'll see how he is able to defend in the playoffs when teams are able to game plan. But that, is way future problems. Um, I think that, you know, where he's kind of been mocked, if you can get him there, you know, anything you get really, really good production wise is just going to be a, a home run. Um, you have any other thoughts on his defense? 
So yeah, you know, I I, I realize I ended up talking about more of like a, more of him on a macro sense. Um, but when I, when I think about him as a defender, a couple of things that I had in my notes, I once again I think he's going to struggle against speedy guards, but I thought his feet moved well enough. Yeah. Um, and another another thing that was big for me, I think initially he might have some foul foul trouble problems, and the reason why I feel that way is because he swings at a lot of balls. So like I once again like I love his aggression. I think he plays so freaking hard because he really cares. Like this is a guy that you're going to throw him on the court and he's going to give a shit about winning the game, right? Yeah. Like we we can feel that from all the tape that we've seen from him. The thing that I am a little bit worried about and we saw this with, we see this with young sorry, young bigs all the time as a Nick fan the first 3 years, 4 years of Mitchell Robinson all fouls, foul machine, right? And why? It's because he swings a lot, you know? And he'll really yeah, he's hunting, and I and I saw a little bit of that in Shangun, where I think in the on the NBA level, I think him being a rookie and not coming in as the Turkish League MVP, um, I think he will get called for a good amount of fouls because of his aggression and because of how he swings at a lot of shots. Um, so that's something to look out for. But once again, like for me, when I look at him and I think about, and as you mentioned, the timing on the blocks really good. Um, just yeah, there, there's an awareness to him, and once again, like it, I always think about like. I understand that physical gifts and talent is really, really important. The the kind of the token for that is Keon Johnson in this draft. But for me, it's like if you care enough and, and you have the desire and the smarts and the intellect to learn and grow, that's what I see with, with Shengun. I, I think he's a smart enough guy. I think he cares enough. And I think he'll grow in those areas. But I think initially, obviously, guarding the smaller guards is going to be hard. And I think he's going to run into some foul trouble. All fair points. All fair points. Um, all right. It's time. Albert, I'm going to need you to sell me this pen on Alperin Shangun. Okay, perfect. So I'm um, just going to ask you a couple of questions. Are you a rebuilding team uh, looking to add assets? Are you a rebuilding team that is looking, that's still trying to figure out its offensive identity, that's looking for an offensive hub, looking for a dynamic option um, at the four small ball five position. Um, if if you're a yes to any of those questions, Alpern Shengun is a guy that you should clearly be considering in the top 10 of this NBA draft. Um, he's that good. Um, honestly, going into this, um, Corey was the one who was super excited about Shengun. I'm with you, dude. I'm just as high on him as you, uh, you are, I think. Um, the, the Davion thing is weird, but anyway, I, I won't get into that. But I will say, if you're a team that's looking for any of those things and you're looking for somebody who is really young as well, that has a lot of time to develop and you're a team that has that time, you're in a full rebuild and you're looking to really build upon that, then Shangun should be your guy. If you're a playoff contender, potentially, and you need a big to come in off the bench and provide you minutes and not be a Jalen Smith on your roster, then Alperin Shangun is a real serious option for you and you should consider taking him anywhere in the draft. I love it. If you're buying stock in our guy, Alperin Shangun, who may you have bought stock in previously? Okay, so Corey, don't hate me for this. All our listeners don't hate me for this. I came up with a really weird answer for this because okay. as as I was watching Shangun, my mind oddly went to the late 2009, 2010, like the, the late 2000s, right? Early 2010s, right? There was a period of time in the league where fours were still kind of important and were looked upon as assets and teams were drafting them all over the place. So uh, some names to think about. Ready? Carl Landry, Chuck Hayes, 
okay. JJ Hickson, Sean May, David West, Dante Green. These are weird names, right? Right, Corey? Throw, so- throw Michael <laughs> Michael Sweetney in there. Michael Sweetney. Okay, the legend from Georgetown. Michael Sweetney. <laughs> so I'm I'm throwing out some names out there. And what I'm trying to get at right now is that we live in a day and age where a Carl Landry, Chuck Hayes, JJ Hickson, these guys don't really survive or even exist in the NBA anymore. Pretty much they don't, right? The reason why I bring up these names is that that's kind of where my mind went to when I was thinking about Shangun because I think he's going to come into the league with some of those attributes, right? Carl Landry, good footwork. I remember Carl Landry had some sick moves in the post, and he was a smaller big. Chuck Hayes, strong, great post defender. J.J. Hickson, wild animal energy, could shoot the mid-range a little bit. Sean May. Not much to say with Sean May. I wish he would lose some weight. David West, <laughs> not to fat shame, but I mean, honestly, Sean May kind of ate his way out of the league. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. David David West, right? What a, a huge part of those New Orleans Hornets teams and went on to p- be great for the Pacers and obviously had a great end of his career with the Warriors. But for me, when I think about Shangun, he has a lot of really good attributes from all of those guys. And it's like, if you took the best out of all of those guys and put them in 2021 and was like, you're going to be the best version of those guys and have like really, really great passing chops was kind of where my mind went to. So I didn't think of like one guy specifically, but I thought of all of those guys and said, if we put them into some machine and molded them together into a guy who passes really well was where I thought of uh, for Alper and Shengu. So it's a weird answer, but that's kind of where my mind was. It, it is a weird answer. <laughs> I, I I appreciate the weirdness and the amount of thought that, and the the names that I haven't heard in a really long time. Uh, I appreciate that. I went with something I feel it like maybe is probably a little more on the nose, uh, a little less weird, but I went for your high end outcome for Alperin Shengun. I went for, he could be the third Gasol bro. You know, I don't want to make him uh, out to be, you know, MVP Jokic, but I think if you kind of combine the Gasol bros in a way, you know, he has a lot of the the mark kind of qualities uh, offensively, the bigger body, the kind of back you down, power you through. He had both of the Gasols had really excellent footwork. They were both excellent passers. They both kind of had, you know, uh, non-traditional shooting forms, but they were they were threats to pick and pop uh, and mark. You know, he really didn't do it till later in his career. Defensively, obviously, we know Mark was a defensive player of the year. Shangun is not at that level. The Gasol bros are also a little bit bigger. Um, you know, Pau, especially, you know, in in his more later years, let's say his Bulls years, you know, Bulls fans, I was not one of them. I was a, a Pau Gasol supporter through and through because we had him on, like, the cheapest deal that he could have uh, signed, I think, pretty much because he enjoyed the Chicago Opera. Um and but he had issues defensively so i think that you know just with the foot speed um the movement the guarding the pick and rolls so i think if you kind of come but he what his he gave to you offensively and just um you know he wasn't going to destroy you uh rotationally and and as a you know in your team construct defensively so i think if you kind of merged the gasol bros together and took some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses. I think that's the kind of player that Shangun could be at his peak. Um, and, you know, I think if the the Gasols were kind of a precursor to 
the the Jokic. Jokic was kind of an evolutionary Gasol bro, and uh, I think now Shangun, who you know has said that he models his game after a guy like Jokic, uh, is now the next guy kind of taking the mantle from you know these bigs that that we mentioned. But you know, even low end impact, you know, a guy like Yusuf Nurkic, like I think that that's kind of his low end impact, and and Nurkic is a starter in this league. He's not. He's, he's not an all. He's not. He's good. He's not an all star, yeah. but he's a starter on a playoff team. And I think if you're telling me that you know that's kind of where you're gonna find your low end outcome for this guy if you invest in him, to me, I'm all in on that because I just think that he's too smart. I think that he's too skilled uh, and just too talented, and he produced way too much to completely bust out. Like I, I don't see a scenario unless he gets injured in a really, really hard way, or he also eats his way out of the league. I just don't see a scenario where he busts out completely. I think he's one of the safest prospects in the, in the class with really high upside that is maybe a little hidden because, you know, he was overseas and his games are a little bit harder to watch for, you know, your average, you know, NBA draft fan college basketball fan to have seen but if he was doing the things that he did in the states you know he would have he'd have been the college player of the year and i think he'd have you know been a a no doubt lottery pick on on draft boards um because he's 18 you know garza was doing this at a much older age you know if he was doing the same kind of things that garza did as an 18 year old i think he'd have a lot of hype right so uh, that, that to me is if you're buying stock in, in Shangun, you know, you have some ridiculously high outcomes and, uh, you know, I, I just, speaking of his volatility, I just think that he produces value no matter where you draft him. And that's why I feel confident enough to have him so high up and in, in passing on a guy like Jonathan Kaminga for, for Shangun, because Kaminga's bust rate is a little bit higher. I, I don't think it's as high as some people say it is. Um, but you know, there's clearly an outcome where he's not a positive impact player because he never develops a shot and he, his shot selection is iffy and, you know, he never kind of figures the the defensive side out, even if he looks the part. So, you know, the, you know, what Kaminga, it almost feels like there's that Jeff green outcome for him. Maybe, uh, you know, where the, with some inconsistency, if, if you're looking at what could be the low end for, for Kaminga. So to me, I don't really see any of that. So I don't think there's much volatility to Shangun. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Where where is where is the volatility index for you on on Alper and Shangun? It, for me it's hard to deem a prospect as volatile if they don't have a lot of holes to their game. So I think we look at prospects and we call them we label them as volatile because they have holes. You know, they have like glaring holes where it leaves it, it really puts things into question i think for shangun his biggest question of course is going to be the defensive side but it's not like the it's not like a gigantic hole in his game you know and so that's why for me it's hard for me to put that title on him i, I think as i'm with you i think shangun is a really safe pick um in the mock draft that we just finished with mavs draft and like 50 other people across the country um I took him 14th to the Warriors yep. and I, I think that's a good, that would be a great pick for the Warriors and a really interesting oh, yeah. new wrinkle to their offense if they brought him in. Um, and so for me, like even if a team in the top 10, like obviously a lot of mocks have him going 12 to San Antonio. Why not? Like he, he kind of like, you know, they love their Euro, Euro guys or foreign guys and that could definitely happen. Um, 
I don't know who else in the top 10 might even consider. Would the Kings look at him or are they, what are they going to do with Marvin Bagley? I don't know. But anyway, like th- there's a world where Shangun goes in the top 10 or no, sorry. It, it, it's pretty much, it could happen. It's really likely if anything that he goes in the top 10 or in the lottery. And I don't see him as volatile at all, dude. I, I think he's a really, really safe pick. Um, but then again, like at the same time, Corey, I, I don't even think we addressed this yet. Like, we we said like certain names like a, you know you say the third Gasol brother. Do you feel like he has the potential to though to be like a supernova, like a all NBA first team type of guy like down the road? I think if you're looking at high end outcome, I don't think he's a, a consistent first team all NBA guy. But if you were to tell me that the shot comes along, he has a year where he shoots forty percent from three, he's averaging you know uh, seven assists a game and he gets his scoring up to 23, 24, 25 points a game and he's a you know he's he's doing his thing on the boards and his team's winning. You know, he's on a, a really good team with the right partner. I could see potentially down the line him being a guy who maybe makes one. I think realistically he's more likely, you know, your second team all NBA guy. First team all NBA is is reserved for really really really, you know, big time players. And then there's the question of, and who knows what it'll be in the future of like, what position will he be labeled at? Will he be labeled as a forward? Will he be labeled as a center? And if you're labeled as a center, now you're, you're really only opportunity to be put on the team is by having a better season than Jokic and, and, and Bede. Um So it's, it's a high bar. I, I, I would, I would say you're more than likely looking at a guy who at his peak is going to have, kind of second team all nba impact um and i think that he can make multiple all nba teams you know if, if he reaches his peak uh instead of having you know an outlier year where he just gets on one of the teams one time i think he'd be a guy that you're, you see his name pop up on those lists you know uh, a whole bunch so Corey, i i agree with you and i think i want to throw a name out there that i threw out earlier um once again it's not a one-for-one comparison but in terms of this guy was an elite offensive player that carried a team to a championship and was not an elite defender, um, but was pretty much the offensive hub of his team. Once again, I'm not saying he's going to be like him, right? But a name that came to my mind as you were just talking right now is Dirk Nowitzki, right? Dirk, Dirk was a guy who won an MVP in the NBA. He was a guy who carried the Mavs and won the 2011 NBA Finals. It, it, but at the same time, was Dirk a perfect player? No. Was Dirk in between positions as a four or five? Yes. You know, so once again, I'm not saying Shangun has even like anything like a Dirk type of game. Dirk was one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen, and especially as a big. But eventually he may have that type of impact. Like I can see Shangun maybe one day, maybe, I'm not saying he will, maybe he could win a title as a number one option with the right pieces around him. Dirk in that title that he won in 2011, Sean Marion was still a really, really good defender. You know, he had Jason Kidd making plays for him. He had Tyson Chandler as a backbone as at center. They had oh, uh, Jason, Jason Terry. Kidd. Jason Terry. Jason Terry was still a really, really good scorer. JJ Berea gave them a lot off the bench. And so, Peja. in Peja, well, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. But my my <laughs> my mind goes to Shangun being eventually he could have that type of impact. Once again, I'm not saying he's going to be Dirk, but if you put the right team around him, why not? I think he has that type of potential. Yeah, I, look, I, there, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. 
we're going to be entering the post LeBron era. It's not like KD is a spring chicken. Steph is, you know, on, you know, he's getting up there himself. Dame is in his thirties. You know, you're looking now and what was so enjoyable about this new crop of NBA teams being in the playoffs and in the conference finals and, and now into the finals is you got to see all of these new stars develop and it felt wide open and it feels like it's going to be a, a wide open league going forward. You know, you can make the argument. It's going to be Luca's league. It's going to be Trey's le- uh, league. It's going to be Giannis's league, but um, nobody has grabbed that mantle yet. And I don't think Shangun is coming in to grab the mantle um, anytime soon. But if you were to tell me that there was just an outlier year, with the absolute perfectly constructed team around him with some really solid role players who are going to give you everything else you need to cover for, for his weaknesses. Who knows, right? Who knows? Anything is possible. It seems like in this NBA. Um, so yeah, I, I, it'll be fun to, uh, to watch his development. Um, I, I kinda am hoping that he pairs up with SGA and OKC. There you go. Uh, you know, and look, I don't think that they'll take him at six, but maybe they trade up with their 16 and 18 somewhere. Because I think that SGA is a guy who he's so good in the half court that if you paired him as a pick and roll partner with SGA, I think that would be so much fun. Um, and they could just go back and forth doing their thing, cooking. And uh, I think that would be – and then you have a guy like Dort who isn't going to cover for his defensive weaknesses um, backlining him up. But Scotty Barnes. You know, yeah, huh? yeah, right. And then whoever they – right, exactly. You get a guy like Scotty Barnes or something who can kind of cover in the front court with that pick at six. Like there's some really interesting – scenarios there for OKC to really kind of jumpstart and, and form something really, uh, really special going forward. So I, that, that, that's just me personally, um, as far as where I would like to see him end up. Uh, I would like to see him end, you know, slip to pick 38 and end up with Chicago. But uh, realistically, if, if we're talking like if he goes right outside the top 10 or, or if, you know, OKC uses 16, 18 and maybe something else to get to one of these other picks, that's an, that's a really interesting spot for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even Charlotte, um, Charlotte has 11, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Charlotte that's would be a, great. That's, that's a huge option. Um, we could definitely see that happening. We never know what Orlando's thinking. I mean, who no. knows? Maybe, <laughs> who knows? Maybe Orlando grabs him. I, I don't know if but, that'd be ideal, but. Well, you know, you, you look at a guy like Jonathan Isaac, um, yeah. And now you're talking about one of these guys who's going to be able to cover for him. So like Orlando structurally is, is so weird, but you know, with those two picks in, in that top eight, like Mm -hmm. he's probably going to be the best player on the board at one of those picks at, you know, potentially probably at least at eight, Um, you can make the argument. He's going to be the best player available. And look, it's not like Orlando's offense didn't have success with Nick Vucevic, who he shares some Mm -hmm. similarities. Right. So, it, the problem with Vucevic is that just he was getting older. He didn't fit the timeline of the magic. It was time to move off of him. But it's not like they moved off of him because he was a bad player. They they got good mm-hmm. value for him. So I, Orlando has a lot of front court stuff going on right now, but they don't have anybody in their front court 
that you look at and you say, well, I, we have to develop this guy because no, none of the people in their front court, except for Isaac, who even himself has, you know, been injured uh, in a, a really bad way to just decide we can only get wings or, or guards or whatever. They, they're not in that spot. They have to go for, for talent. So uh, it, it could happen. It could happen. It's going to be really interesting to see where, uh, he falls on draft night. Albert, that's going to do it for our episode on Alperin Shangun. I have to uh, go take a cold shower after uh, this conversation and um, tell the people where they could find you on the World Wide Web. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on uh, Instagram at Alberto Gim is my handle. The toe is T-O-E, like the toe on your foot is where I, I got that stupid nickname it from anyway, from a friend back <laughs> in high school. Uh, but yeah, that's where you find me. And um, this was awesome, dude. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on the internet at the Hardwood Mag. You can find the YouTube at the Hardwood Herald, you will f- be able to find the Alperin Shangun film sesh scouting breakdown, the essential Shangun breakdown on the internet. Um, so that just dropped. I, I had a ton of fun doing it. I had a ton of fun with this conversation. So uh, definitely go check that out. Um, follow Albert, fo- uh, follow myself. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast, share it, rate it review it all of that good stuff it's draft season baby we're gonna keep rolling uh until next time we out peace peace